Here's a news flash. Surprise, surprise. Well, look at you. The whole world is watching for my next move. Oh, my God. Times have changed. There are no rules. You're gonna love it. Hi, and welcome to Skip Intro, the podcast from Binge, all about the world's best television. Each week, we're here to discuss the biggest new shows on Binge, along with our dinner party recommendations, those shows that we're just desperate to talk to someone about. My name is John Bowen, here with Ali Herbert Burns, and together we look after all the great TV and movies that you see on Binge. Ali, this week it's something a little different. We're talking about two returning series. Yes, yes, yes. I'm so excited. We've got Barry season three, which is finally back after a long COVID hiatus. This is a show that has a mad group of followers and, you know, Emmy award winning and very, very clever. So I think lots of people waiting for Barry. And then we have The Flight Attendant season two, which is back about a year and a half from its initial premiere at the end of 2020. So season two of that Kaylee Kuko crime thriller dramedy is also back. Awesome. Well, Lex, head to Hollywood for Barry. These people I take out, they're bad people. The money's good. It's a job. This heat is urgent. This is Ryan Madison. Familiar to my slaughterous thoughts. Hey, man. Are you new to this class? Help me out. Ryan, you're up. I'm going to do the scene with him. Bill Hader's Emmy award-winning comedy Barry follows former Marine turned hitman for hire who attempts to pursue a career in acting while on assignment in LA. Swiftly moving between Hollywood satire and tense thriller, this beloved cult favourite returns to our screens for a third season on April 25th after more than three long years between episodes. Ali, I had to go to one of those like time zone converter things to put in the two dates to see just how long it had been since season two. <laughs> and it is over, it's like three years and 25 days. So that's not just COVID, is it? I, I think COVID certainly slowed it down. But yeah. yeah, I think Barry and The Righteous Gemstones are the two shows that I've had the most people ask me about when they're returning. And they're certainly not the biggest shows in, in, in the world, but I think it speaks to how beloved Barry is. Mel in our team that we've shouted out before absolutely loves Barry and yeah it's one of these shows that people are very keen to have back in their lives so I'm very excited for its return awesome so there's two seasons already on the platform eight eps per season is season three eight episodes as well and does it drop weekly it's another eight eps dropping weekly from April 25th yeah as you said the first two seasons combined they've had 30 Emmy nominations and six wins including Bill Hader for best actor and Henry Winkler for best supporting actor and I think just because it's been so long I think people have forgotten how sort of beloved this series is so yeah think back to 20 19 when it won a bunch of Emmys not that any of us can remember anything before 2020 so <laughs> ain't that the truth Bill Haters obviously portrays Barry but is also one of the creative forces behind this and created it with Alec Berg people will know his work from Silicon Valley and Curb Your Enthusiasm so mm-hmm. if you were listening to this and like Barry all you need to do is write down April 25th but if you have <laughs> not watched Barry and any of the shows we're mentioning or any of the people that we're mentioning are piquing your interest then please rush off and watch these two seasons because it's a tense show he's a hit man there's murders there's gunshots but it's also funny that I have to say this but like it's legitimately funny like this is sitcom laugh out loud comedy this isn't like a dramedy or has funny moments this is actually hilarious it's a very very funny show and you've also got a good love story going through the middle of it but not in like an uh, love story way but just as a driving motivator because we often talk about in shows where good people do bad things you know you think about Walter White and Breaking Bad and you know the decisions they've made along their life to kind of take them down the wrong path this is almost 
a flip of it, isn't he? He's a survivor of kind of probably post-traumatic stress at war, um, like he said, an ex-Marine, and he goes down the path of the wrong choices um, and being a hitman, but he wants to have a better life. And so you kind of see that same constant internal struggle throughout the show of wanting to choose the right way. Yeah, like um, he he finds his people in this acting class, which is where a lot of the humour comes from because he is this ex-Marine who's killing people at night, but then he's like learning lines and doing these ridiculous scenes and has Henry Winkler yelling at him. He is and he's very close. So it's not a giveaway for people if you haven't seen this. This is kind of interesting way to place you. He is from rural America and he gets put on a job, a hit in LA, and he likes to kind of not get to know his victims but kind of surveillance them for a while so he kind of understands their surroundings and as part of his method in his in his hitman approach. And the guy that he's got a hit on is a wannabe actor who's been having an affair with the daughter of a, of a Chechen mobster in LA. So he goes to the acting studio to kind of surveillance and, and suss him out and ends up getting roped into an acting class. And then the rest is kind of history. So it's a very funny way in. It's such a unique way in, isn't it? And just his character, he's so dry and hard to read. And here he is acting and falling in love and trying to leave the mob world behind him. Yeah, it's a great universe to have a laugh. Yeah, so much of the humour comes from sort of making fun of Hollywood and acting and entertainment because they're all going off on these like terrible auditions and you're hearing about these like fake terrible shows that are happening in the world around them. Like they talk about a live action Pinocchio and- Being a dead body on NCIS or something. It's just such a funny world. And then you've thrown uh, an assassin into it. Plus Henry Winkler, hello, the Fonz. But also uh, Stephen Root also plays a big part in this series um, who people will know from Office Space and News Radio. Anthony Carrigan plays one of the Chechen mobsters. He's great. He was in Gotham. The sort of police FBI people who are sort of tailing him are also sort of mildly incompetent and (laughs) fumble over themselves and... The only reason I'm stressing that it is funny is because it's also about an assassin. <laughs> but <laughs> but I guess that's where some of the humour comes from. Dark humour, yeah. It is legitimately funny, so don't let the it's about an assassin get in the way of you watching it if that is, you know, maybe a hurdle for you. HBO Cable Channel is, you know, renowned and build its heritage on acclaimed drama but also great comedies. You think, you know, and as you mentioned at the beginning with the creators that are involved in this, this is kind of bringing out the big hitters of some of HBO's most successful and fan-favourite comedies. So I think if if that's your um, enjoyment, you'll you'll like Barry if you haven't already discovered it. Yeah, I, just on that exact point, I found a, a quote from a, a review when the show first came out and it was talking about the, the review was like, HBO does amazing dramas. Like, of course, everyone knows that. But then the reviewer went on to say some of the most moving and effective dramatic work is contained within HBO's half-hour comedies and then it listed high maintenance insecure getting on enlightened v barry so it just makes the point that hbo do this really well and barry's just the latest of it get on board if you're not already and if you are re-watch it with the rest of us <laughs> the first two seasons of barrier streaming now on binge and season three is fast tracked from april 25th and we'll be dropping weekly for eight weeks on mondays john monday afternoons on binge marky diary the acting class made me feel really good. I feel really motivated right now. These are professional actors. They're the real deal, and they say I got something. You're a killer, Mary. Acting to direct conflict, being someone who anonymously kills people. Well, from one returning series to another, the flight attendant season two arrives on binge on April 21st. 
It literally feels like you're living in a spy novel. What's going on, Cass? I'm an asset for the CIA. <laughs> I know, we said no more secrets, but you were just about to guess it anyway. What does it matter? Cassie, I was like literally nowhere close to figuring that out. Starring and produced by Kaylee Cuoco, the flight attendant follows alcoholic jet setter Cassandra Bowden, who wakes up next to a dead body in Thailand and finds herself in the middle of an international conspiracy and a race to clear her name. One of HBO Max's first original series, The Flight Attendant returns for a second season, April 21st. This has been one of Binge's most watched shows ever. It is. It's definitely um, super, super popular. And I feel like for those that listen to the pod regularly, we only talked about this a couple of episodes ago um, as a shout out in my dinner party recommendation because I was suggesting that people get on board because what we've seen a lot with some shows that have had a long break during COVID or had a break during COVID is the initial audience for the series, but then how many other people have discovered it in the time off um, since we've all been at home watching telly. And I think the flight attendant, both from what we can tell from those viewers that watch it and how popular it is, regardless of when people join Binge, they discover it, is, yeah, I think everyone, we talk about this show in a couple of weeks. It had the, I guess, benefit and also maybe overshadowingness of coming out around the same time as The Undoing. Obviously, lots of people watched, watched The Undoing, but a lot of those people also watched The Flight Attendant. So we know there's, there's a ton of people who um, are looking forward to season two of this. In preparation for this, I, I listened to a podcast interview with Kaylee Cuoco, and I don't think you often hear people, uh, producers of shows, like it seems like it gets thrown around a lot. But listening to this interview, Kaylee Cuoco produced this show. She's the driving force behind Yeah, she optioned the book. It was really interesting to hear how invested she is in this how she saw the book cover and she wanted to option it like it obviously just spoke mm. to her and this isn't one of those like oh you're the ep because you're the star this is you know kaylee quirko made this show and i think it just shows her, her sort of producing chops as well and just her, her acting chops you know she plays a different character last week or well, a few weeks ago on the podcast we talked about a lot of people will know her as penny from the big bang theory but i think when you step out of a long-running series where you not necessarily been typecast but you're it's such a famous show and you're so famous for that character. I think it's great to see what she did with this step, both in um, in driving the kind of very strong character-driven story forward, but just her approach to it, because it really is a comedy drama. And it starts, it was interesting before, I was just going to say, when you're talking about The Undoing, there's lots of people say they like crime, but this is a really different crime series because there is a crime that's going on and you're trying to solve something, but it's just done in such a, I don't like the word quirky because it makes it sound small, but it's in a really, really unique clever way which is quite different I think when you first start watching it like the first episode of the first season I kind of had to settle into what this show was and watching the first few episodes um, that we've been able to watch in the screeners coming through ahead of this next season it took me not a while to get into it but I was like oh that's right this is really unique this show I think the credits the opening credits come in halfway through the episode there's a really long kind of big opening scene and you're instantly in what is her quite chaotic world you touched on before she's kind of a recovering alcoholic who is quite not distracted, but there's lots going on that kind hectic. of can derail her life. Hectic, that's a great word. Yeah, and you're kind of like, whoa, I forgot how hectic this was. And boom, in season two, there's a new twist and crime to solve. The sort of tone and style of it is interesting. In this interview I listened to, Kaylee Quirker, she talked about how people at HBO kept asking her, like, what's the tone? What's the vibe of the show? And she's like, I don't know. We're figuring out as we make it. <laughs> and I, th I think that's true because it is kind of hard to distill this kind of, again, quirky is the wrong word, but like hectic, 
funny, serious, global sort of vibe of the show because they're like they do split screens, they do weird wipes between they scenes. Do the and- slips, yeah, the split screens, which makes it feel so hectic because you can see and her point of view, other stuff that's going on, you're like, whoa, what am I watching? Definitely one where you kind of need to be watching it. You can't kind of walk out into the other room because you miss the animations and the graphics and the way they use the split screens and to tell the story, don't they? So yeah. And also like yeah. the, her sobriety and alcoholism and stuff, you know, she kind of, she talks to herself. She like flashes back to, to previous scenes to try to remember what's happened. It's such an interestingly constructed show. It is this globe trotting show that's shot in however many countries and amazingly got done sort of in time for, for COVID for season one. But season two sounds like it's just as globe trotting. Yeah. Season one, they it starts with a crime. She's a flight attendant, international flight attendant, and there's a, a death of a passenger in Bangkok. And I remember watching this during the end of 2020, having not been travelling and seeing her open the windows in this glorious five-star hotel and look out over Bangkok. And she's on the canals of Bangkok. And I remember having that feeling of like arriving in a new city or getting to travel. And then the first episode of season two is in Berlin and she's made the move as well from she's now still a flight attendant but she's moved from um, New York and resettled in Los Angeles she's still working as a flight attendant as I said but she's also doing some kind of she's not an undercover CIA agent but she's kind of like they call them an asset yeah a civilian asset like a civilian surveillance so like she's not supposed to engage and get into any trouble but she is kind of using her flight attendant job and the fact that she's all over the world to kind of do a little bit of reconnaissance for the CIA, which if you're hectic and just on a good path post-recovery of alcoholism, it's quite a lot of pressure to be put Yeah, <laughs> why not start working for the CIA? And season two just happens to have a, a little new cast member that some of our audience may have heard of, Ali. Along with all the other cool yes. people that we've talked about in the past that are in this, just uh, infamous actress Sharon Stone who joins the cast and plays the role of Cassie's mother, Kaylee Cuckoo's mother. Season two will be very interesting. Obviously it's now free of the book. It's exploring its own path. So yeah, really interested to see where it goes. Of course, if you have not watched Flight Attendant, we have season one, which is eight one-hour episodes. And season two, which is another eight one-hour episodes, is starting on April 21st. Another sort of interesting rollout. It's going to be double eps for the first two weeks before getting into single eps. But that's kind of my favorite way to watch it because, yeah, it's a little mini binge each week. Yeah, you need, it's like having a movie every week, isn't it? Two or three apps of this everywhere would be perfect. So it starts with that, does it? And then it drops yeah. down to and, one. And you, you get to savour the, the cliffhanger. A cliffhanger is all the more sweet when you actually have to wait in between the apps. The author of the book is involved, though, in, in creating the series, which I love. So the story and the continuity is there. A lot of the people and creators, Greg Vellante, the executive producer, is back as well. Very acclaimed Warner Brothers producer who does a lot of television that you would have seen. A lot of the ingredients that made season one so popular I think Kaylee Kuko got her first Emmy nomination. Is that right, John, for this for season one? So yes. yeah, it was really seen as a critic darling. Yeah. Um, and and it, it won an Emmy for, of all things, opening title theme music. Well, I did not know that, but it's interesting because I started playing this and I was in the other room and I got it booted up and it started the sound. And I instantly was like, it's iconic already after one season. So it's a show that's made an impact in my view. John, dinner party recommendations for this week. We're laughing along this week, aren't we? We've kind of already had two comedies or a comedy drama um, in The Flight Attendant. What is your insider's tip on something we should look out for on Binge? If we miss it in the carousel where you often hide or don't hide but put your 
John favourites. Do let us know what should we look out for. A long weekend for lots of people around Australia, of course, with Anzac Day coming up as well. So a bit more time. Well, we have just had two sort of comedic or mildly comedic shows. So I thought I'd bring the tone back to the serious world. I do love a half hour drama. And this is definitely a hidden gem. I am, of course, talking about a teacher. Listen, you cannot tell anyone about us ever. Um, is that a hickey, Claire? Tomorrow you're going to go back to him and this will have never happened. So this is based on a 2013 film of the same name and it is, yeah, I guess sort of a content warning. It discusses a fairly serious topic. Kate Mara portrays Claire Wilson, a high school teacher in her 30s. I love Kate Mara. She is excellent in this, along with Nick Robinson, who portrays um, Eric Walker, who's a 17-year-old high schooler who is initially sort of tutored by Claire and they do begin a um, sexual relationship um, and the show explores sort of the idea of consent and the power dynamics, obviously, between a teacher and a student and, yeah, the very fine line between what a 17-year-old student can possibly consent to when it's their teacher who um, is putting them in that position. I've watched this as well, John, and I really liked it. I think sometimes when we've seen this story played before, it's almost, you might disagree with this, but it almost takes a less harsh view of the female teacher or the older person or the groomer the person that should know better I felt because she's a female but it just showed a much more modern view of the grayness around well not the grayness the situation that this is and the power dynamic that was at play and the fact that there was a lot of sympathy maybe for the woman she busted up her marriage there was lots of fallout from this she lost her job but really it looked at the view from the victim in a better way I felt than some of the other versions we'd seen of this kind of story grayness I think is the right word like while it's very clear this is inappropriate and should not have happened. The fact that it's so, so close to being to consenting adults is what makes it sort of compelling. Like, obviously, mm. if if this was a show about a 35-year-old man and a 12-year-old girl, it would just be like, you know, there'd be no question. What makes it sort of uncomfortable and what you have to like question your own judgments and what you're watching and stuff is because it is like, oh, he's 17 and she's 30 and she's this sort of like petite young woman and he's this like, you know, quarterback jock guy who's about to go to college and the awkwardness I think is part of it. You're almost complicit in watching it though because you, to your point, that's what I mean, like in the way it shows the victim differently you do you start off kind of feeling sorry for her she's in a difficult kind of marriage isn't maybe where it needs to be she hasn't kind of gone out of her way to court him or initially like it's kind of innocuous how they first yeah it doesn't seem like this premeditated grooming yeah it's not like oh you're this big evil person and again it's probably the reverse gender thing because she's a female and as you said he's a bit older yeah but then you, you're right, your ethics and your morals are evolving as the story's going on and you're like, and just the way he confronts her many years later with his victim point of view, I just thought was really, it's very, very well done. Some of the reviews kind of almost talked about how it's initially presented almost like salaciously and I think that's on purpose because it's almost trying to present it to you in a non-icky way and then making you realise that it is icky so that that message yeah. actually lands. And again, icky is the wrong word. It, the grayness is how... Yeah, society, porn, lots of other pointers in media deal with this kind of dynamic or story, which does make you feel like you, you're you used to being told that it's not necessarily 100% bad or evil. But when you watch this, you do. You, you do see it with um, 
a, a renewed lens for sure. Yeah. Um, and I feel like it hits you in the face at the end. And that's kind of the point is that it might, it yes. might start out as this salacious student teacher. Ooh, th that, this was a plot line on Dawson's Creek. Like literally that's how Dawson's Creek starts with a student mm -hmm. teacher sleeping with a teacher. But then by the end of it, you're like, oh my God, I can't believe I ever like thought this was anything other than assault and grooming and a, yeah. a lack of consent and a, one person using their power over another person. So yeah. it is hard to talk about <laughs> for these reasons, but it is excellent, worthy watch. And um, yeah, that is that's my recommendation this week. How many apps? Uh, it's nine and a half hours. You barrel through it because it, it is so, it's so compelling. Everyone's freaking out about this, man. I'm so mad at you. You're gonna be like a legend. I can't stop thinking about you. I can't eat. I can't sleep. You hooked up with your teacher? I'll bow down to you, bro. Help, Mom. Look at what it's doing to us. A lot of us have had Easter breaks and we come to Anzac Day, which is this year is, um, it falls on a Monday, so a long weekend for lots of Australians and because of the time of the year I wanted to talk about a series that we have on binge it's not about Australians at war it's the very 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 acclaimed um, series Band of Brothers. Man it's been a long war it's been a tough war we fought bravely proudly for your country you are a special group we found in one another a bond that exists only in combat we deserve long and happy lives and peace. The Band of Brothers was a 2001 10-part miniseries that was created by HBO and BBC and at the time the most expensive television series ever made with a $125 million production budget. It's brought to us by Tom Hanks, Steven Spielberg, who had contributed and produced the film Saving Private Ryan some 10 years before, and it takes another view of a group of American, this time they're in the infantry, but they're easy company A, they're parachuters, and it takes them from their training um, in the US through to being kind of dropped into the war in Europe and then through to Japan as well. It's got a huge cast, Damien Lewis amongst others, David Schwimmer, Donnie Wahlberg, there's a lot of them, but John, have you seen Band Brothers? No, I haven't. Oh, wow. I think these days we often take for granted these like massive, you know, huge budget miniseries because they seem to come out every other week. But Band of Brothers was groundbreaking at the time. I remember people having the DVD and I remember what was the follow-up? The Pacific. Pacific yeah, yeah, which we've also got on Binge, which I have seen, but I've not seen Band of Brothers. Yeah, the thing I liked about Band of Brothers, it's based on a book by a historian, Stephen Ambrose. It does take literary license and it does take the characters into different, you know, it, it's not completely purely accurate, but it, um, it adapts history, I suppose you could say. But it is based on historical events. The historian and author, you know, contributed and, and worked on the series as well. So if you've seen Saving Private Ryan, it's a, and obviously with the kind of production budget that I've just said it's got, it's of that ilk in terms of it takes you deep inside a war, but the humans behind it and what they kind of went through. So it's 10 hours of some of the most acclaimed television you'll ever see. It won an Emmy Award and a Golden Globe back when we had the Golden Globes for best miniseries uh, in the year that it was made. I think it's one of the most highly rated series in the history of television on IMDb and Rotten Tomatoes and pretty much every kind of register that you can find. Um, and it is, yeah, a, a very impactful series. Each trooper will learn this operation by heart and know his and every other outfit's mission to the detail. This is not dog company. This is not fox company. This, this is easy company. 
And under my command, this will be the first and finest company in this regiment. Why are you here, Private Gordon? I want to be in the Airborne, sir! This week on Skip Intro, we talked about the returning seasons of Barry and the Flight Attendant. I suggested that you check out A Teacher and Ali recommended Band of Brothers. All of these are streaming now on Binge with new episodes of Barry and Flight Attendant dropping weekly. You can find Binge on your favourite device. My name is John Boehm, joined every week by Ali Herbert Burns. Uh, Thank you so much for listening. This podcast was produced by Dan Barrett with audio editing and mixing by Chris Yates. And we'll be back next week with more recommendations for what you should check out on Binge. Binge.